the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. How you doing? My name is Nick DeGilio. I am your host. We are the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world. You should check out our live streaming 24-7. It's for free. It's just like radio, only a lot cooler. Radiomisfits.live, where you can hear the Unheard Music Show and a bunch of really amazing music that you've never heard before and some incredible episodes of the best podcasts in the world that are available at Radio Misfits. You can hear this podcast, the Nick D Podcast, daily at 3 p.m. Central, and you can hear my other podcast, which is all about Saturday Night Live. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. You can hear that daily at 9 a.m. Central, plus all the other great podcasts, episodes all over the place. It's a live streaming service. Again, like I said, it's like radio, only a lot cooler. You need to tune in and mark it right now. Radiomisfits.live. Check us out, radiomisfits.live. If you'd like to be a sponsor on this podcast, I would love that. You would love that. Lots of people listen to this podcast, so you should advertise with us immediately. Drop us a note and say, I want to advertise on the Nick D Podcast. We'll get back to you ASAP, sales at radiomisfits.com. That's who to contact if you want to be an advertiser with us. Want to leave a voicemail uh, anytime you want, 24-7. It's wide open. We love to hear from you. I listen to every voicemail that we get, and I play many of them back on the episodes. So voicemail anytime you want, 24-7, whatever you want to say, 773-417-6948. Drop us an email with any questions or comments, anything. Nick D podcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the themes and the sounds. Ed Silla runs the whole place. He's the best at Radio Misfits. Please take the time to share and rate and review us on every platform. We are the Radio Misfits and we are proud. So check us out, contact us, advertise with us, all that cool stuff. Get in there, be a part of the game. All right, it is the first Tuesday of the month. It's also the first Tuesday of 2024. First Tuesday of the month means it's time for For the People. These episodes are dedicated entirely to you, your thoughts, your issues. You got comments or questions. You got a car issue. You got an automobile problem. You want to know how to get one or how to fix one or leasing or auto. Any car industry questions or stories, they will all be covered by our expert, Tom Appel, who is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive, the smartest car guy I know. Any and all questions about cars or automotive needs, all answered for you, for the people. So Tom Appel will be joining us then. Uh, right after we take a little break here, Herb Weissbaum will be joining us. He is the consumer man who has been helping people keep their money safe, use their money smartly, and answer any and all consumer questions and concerns. He is the consumer man who is here to help you, the people. So any consumer-related stories on how to keep your money safe, and especially during the holidays and things like that, Herb Weissbaum joins us for For the People. So Herb Weissbaum, the consumer man, and Tom Appel, the car guy. That is for the people. That's what's happening today. Again, uh, it's the first Tuesday. Uh, so it's Tuesday. That means my dad usually stops by to tell a joke. My dad is still uh, dealing with some health issues. He's in the hospital, and uh, I've been dealing with uh, a lot of crazy stuff. Both of my parents, I'm an only child, and both of my elderly parents are going through some health and mental issues right now. 
Uh, it's been a little stressful time, and I thanks for all the support that uh, all, all my fans and, and all the people have been giving me. Um, it's been a really, really rough, uh, rough time and a rough holiday season. Uh, and thanks for the support. One of the great things that I get to do to take my mind off of what's happening with my folks is this great podcast. And I get a lot of great feedback from you, and I love recording it, and I love talking to people like Herb and Tom and providing you the services that Florida People uh, uh, provides. And I also want to thank you. I get a lot of support. I have a GoFundMe page to help uh, financially with what's going on with my folks. It's, uh, it's, it's been kind of a nightmare in that regard. And if you have a couple of bucks lying around, I have a GoFundMe page. Just Google Nick DeGilio, GoFundMe, Nick DeGilio's folks, GoFundMe. If you want to go to GoFundMe page and donate, that would be fantastic. It would be appreciated. It would help a lot. So it's been a stressful time, but this podcast and my SNL podcast are great escapes for me. I love doing them and it keeps me sane. And you, my uh, subscribers and my listeners and the people who, uh, who contact me and have been supporting me, you're keeping everything going for me. And I want to thank you all for the great support during this really, really rough time. And, uh, and this person's been helping Hi, me. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Carrie Russell, Hi, always. I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Always a big support and always a big help just by being Felicity. That's enough. And she's done so much more than that. So anyway, thanks again. Again, if you want to go to the GoFundMe page uh, and throw a little money our way, it would help a lot. Trust me, it would, it would alleviate a lot of the pressure that's been happening. So a very tense time that is alleviated and relieved by being with you and entertaining you and recording these podcasts. So let's get to it. Uh, but before we do, we'll talk to Herb Weisbaum first on For the People. He'll answer any and all consumer questions. Let's talk about something that you need to read or if you want to listen to, you can do that too. It's a fantastic book that is offered both as a book and uh, as an audio book as well. This is the guy. Hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up because Brian Alaspas Devoured. Yeah, that's right. Brian Alaspas Devoured is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down an evil as old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever. And trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback. For Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com, Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah, don't be a jackal. Thank you. 
Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. That's right, he is our man. He is the Consumer Man. And he's been the Consumer Man for over 40 years. You can check him out at checkbook.org. He's here to help you to answer any consumer questions to keep your money safe, to make sure that you're okay in the world of money and consuming. And he's Herb Weisbaum. Hi, Herb. Hi, Nick. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well. It is the second day of 2024. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, what a year it's been so far. (laughs) Yeah, haven't screwed up anything yet. (laughs) Not yet. Give me time. Give me time. Give me till at least February to screw everything up. So there you go. Well, it is the new year. And how was 2023 for you? And, uh, you know, maybe a quick summation of the of the consumer stuff that you've been covering, uh, you know, like uh, maybe some of the stuff that, that you thought was big and things that happened in 2023 that um, that were kind of big in the consumer world. Well, for me personally, it was a very good year for consumers. Uh, a lot going on. The cyber world got uh, much more complicated and dangerous. Criminals are getting really, really good at figuring out how to use computer technology to rip us off. And the uh, threat of Artificial intelligence has finally raised its ugly head, and they're going to start using this brand new technology to create even more sophisticated scams. Cryptocurrency continues to be a way that they're collecting money without getting caught, and the way they're contacting us continues to be digitally through social media and text messages, and uh, still using the phone and other things. But they're sort of you know moving down the road, so everything is the same sort of kind of scams, but they're sort of evolving more and becoming much more high tech, which allows the criminals to be on the other side of the world, much Mm. harder to catch or or do anything about. So a lot of that, I saw a lot of horrendous amount of false advertising, misleading advertising from a lot of big name companies and big name advertisers who not only are pushing it up to the line, but are crossing the line. In many cases, a federal trade commission has gone after a whole bunch of them. But, you know, in many cases, that's just, or in most cases, that's just a fine so for them, it's a cost of doing business. It's really time that you know a lot of these major companies clean up their act and, and stop taking advantage of their customers. It's just really not fair. And I guess the biggest news, my, my boss always accuses me of burying the lead. My biggest news is with some time off uh, around the Christmas holidays, uh, we actually watched some movies streaming. And I watched this little, this little niche film. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Barbie, the movie. <laughs> Because you said Herb, watch Barbie. You probably have now seen it thirty-two times or something. I've seen right? it. Fi- I've seen it five times. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can watch it five times, but yeah. I, I we did watch it. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, I think you know my special connection with Barbie. She and yep. I go way back. I know. Ever uh, Toy Fair for many years, twenty years or whatever for CBS and the Today Show. So I've seen her change and grow over the years and I have a collection of Barbie memorabilia right here in my office where I'm talking to you. Yeah. No need to remu- review the music because uh, review the movie because any movie that's made a billion dollars is obviously a hit. But I just got to say that uh, the director, Greta, uh, the color palette she used, the way she captured toy feel in that whole world she created was absolutely wonderful. Uh, Margot Robbie channeled Barbie yeah. and uh, and uh, what's the, the guy? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. He, he yeah. channeled. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. Channeled Ken. Yeah. And the, the best line in the whole movie, and I, you know, I'm not giving anything away now, but having seen Barbies throughout the year when she was on the beach and said, I don't have a vagina. He doesn't have a penis. Yeah. I'm going to fall off the chair. Yeah. And that was yeah. one of the, that was right up there with I'll have what she's having. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, there's a, I mean, that's my, that was my favorite film of last year. It, it, it definitely was. I'm, and I really yeah. can't believe that Mattel allowed them to get away with some of the things. I know. Mattel, considering they were one of the production companies on this. It's, it, I'll yeah. tell you something. Uh, they, they, Mattel must have a great sense. Of, but I'll tell you what, though. Oh, the um, advertising! Come on, jeez. Yeah, the advertising and the amount of money that they're making on this is unbelievable. You can take, you know, they, they, Greta Gerwig makes a lot of jabs at Mattel. Um, I mean, you know, just like the what they say about the, you know, the the female CEOs when they were running that down—that's for real. That's an actual, that's an actual thing, and it's used in the movie. So yeah, no, I mean, I think overall they were like, yeah, um, okay, you guys are really satirizing the hell out of us in this but you know what in the long run we're gonna make a lot of money and sell a lot of product and that's what's happened so absolutely so anyway that was that was my big news from 2023 i'm glad you got to see the barbie movie uh it was my favorite film of last year and by the way on the next episode of this podcast eric childress and steve procopi and i are going to go through our lists uh our full list of the best films of 2023 and um that will be mentioned. I, I, I would imagine that would be mentioned by all three of us when we good, get to it. Good. So, all right. Well, I'm glad you do that. Well, first of all, tell everybody about checkbook.org. Tell everybody about the consumer man and, uh, and what you offer and what you do and uh, all of that great stuff. So people know. Oh, sure. Checkbook is a consumer group that's been around for many, many years, decades now. And uh, our job is to help you be a smarter consumer, basically rate services in seven major cities across the country, but provide Great information, like the stories I do for Checkbook or uh, apropos for everyone. I try to avoid to help you avoid ripoffs and scams, save money, save time, uh, make smart decisions, keep you up to date on the latest breaking consumer news. So there's something for everyone on consumer uh, Checkbook.org. I run a website called ConsumerMan.com, which basically makes it easy to find everything I do. It's published right there on one website, ConsumerMan.com. It also has links to the podcast that I do. We do an every other week podcast because we're not as prolific as you are nick yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm a lot older than you are uh and uh, it's called consumerpedia where we talk about everything consumer really interesting conversations and uh before we go on this podcast i will give you as i always do the link for people who live in the seven major cities where we do our uh, ratings of uh, services uh, so they can get a free 30-day subscription to take advantage of these ratings so that if they're doing a uh, hiring a plumber or an electrician or going to a veterinarian or anything like that. You can actually, orthodontists, dentists, you can actually see the ratings that we have from honest-to-goodness people, subscribers, and our undercover mystery shoppers. None of this pay-to-play, none of this you pay us money, we give you good ratings. We don't accept advertising or money from everybody. So uh, we're one of the few legit ones around there that really give you a rating that is a true rating. And that's yeah. I, why I love working for Checkbook so much. No advertiser influence whatsoever. That's great. And again, we'll talk. We'll tell you about the uh, the great thing that you guys provide for my uh, for my uh, for my subscribers and my listeners. Just for you. We'll talk yep. about that a little bit later. You know, it's funny that you mentioned uh, um, uh, shoppers, like uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, undercover shoppers or whatever. Uh, I was watching a movie. My girlfriend and I were watching a movie the other night, um, and uh, it was I think it was Christmas night or the night after Christmas, or the night before Christmas or whatever. Um, and it was called Holiday Affair. Okay. And it's with uh, Robert Mitchum and a very young Janet Lee, a much too young for Robert Mitchum Janet Lee uh, in this movie from 1949. And she played a woman who would go to department stores and buy items and then uh, secret secretly like test them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, the plot of the movie hinged on her buying this um, electric train set from a department store that is very loosely based on like Macy's or Gimbel's or one of those. Mm-hmm. And she goes in and buys this and Robert Mitchum works there as like the investigator. 
and catches her being one of these like sort of like undercover uh, uh, shoppers. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing was that, we, you know, so that was like one of the plot points was like she was an undercover shopper. And that was actually a major plot point in this 1949 movie, which I found fascinating yeah. that there was a movie from 1949 where the main character played by Janet Lee was actually one of these shoppers. I was like, wow, wow that's been around that long. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so but the other thing was the thing was amazing, Herb, is that the train set that she bought cost seventy nine dollars. This is 1949 money. Wow. It cost $79. So we did a little googly phone search on what that would cost now. So that would be like an $1,100 train set that she bought on the spot with cash. And that's why Robert Mitchum was kind of like suspicious about what was going on. Right. And that's how the, but then, then that's how their whole like weird romantic triangle thing started. But I thought it was really fascinating that one, Janet Lee played this like mystery shopper and two she walked into like a Macy's with $79 in cash in right. 1949 to buy what would be the equivalent of an $1100 train set today. So all of that of course while I'm watching it made me think of you. Oh thank so- you. <laughs> well, well, I mean, today, well you know nowadays that would buy you like one latte right with a baby <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Croissant to go with it or something. Do yeah. you know, if were, were they Lionel trains? Do you have any idea? I don't remember. No, I, I don't think there was a brand name. Uh, okay. I, it was, but 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 my, my, the thing that really fascinated me was, I was like, wait a minute, she is like a mystery shopper? So yeah. this was a thing? This, yeah. It's been it's existed since 1949, Herb? Yeah. Well, and it still goes on. And well, I'll digress here for a second, but it, it continues to be a, a big area of scams because people know there are secret shoppers, mystery shoppers. And there's ads all the time that say, would you like to be a secret shopper, or a mystery shopper? And, you know, sometimes they say you get to keep the merchandise, which is true. Uh, if you're going to go price shopping for really expensive leather jackets, you're not going to keep the leather jackets. But if you go out and, and buy groceries or do some things or have to, uh, you know, if you go to rate fast food joints, you're going to get a free meal. You're going to get whatever you have to buy. The scam is they tell you in order to get started with this thing, you have to pay them money and you don't have to pay them money. If there really are secret shoppers uh, hired by these people, they pay you after you go out and do your first assignment. Mm. But that situation where that's this scam has been going on probably since then, but at least as long as I've been consumer reporting, somehow you they maybe they give you an advance check and then you have to oh it's too much give us back some money or whatever if you've got to give the so-called employer money it's a it is a scam and and don't deal with it and if you're thinking about being a secret shopper just go to the ftc website federal trade commission look for secret shopper scams and learn all about it but a lot of people lose not significant amounts of money on this thing because it's not that big but they wind up getting burned because uh, they they think they can it's fun my, yeah. my friend doesn't he loves doing it? He said, I, I went out to buy some steaks at a supermarket the other day and I had a steak dinner, you know, but it's not like you're going to keep the big screen TVs if you're price shopping for how they handle sales of big screen TVs. You're just going to report back on they were nice or friendly or they didn't know what they were talking about or that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I just found it really interesting. I'd never really expected that. And, and this was a movie that I saw many, many years ago and I didn't remember much, you know, much about it. And I was like, oh, okay, Janet Lee. And, uh, you know, and Robert Mitchum and uh, Harry Morgan shows up from Dragnet and MASH. He shows up at the end. Right. Um, And it's not a very good movie. I I remember liking it more when I was younger, but my girlfriend and I watched it and we were just like, man, this is not good. But I was fascinated by the fact that what gets these two people together is a whole subplot involving mystery shoppers and overpriced train sets. (laughs) And, And so... 
I'm just blown away you thought about me. So thank you very, very I much. I did. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and, and the, the for those trains, my father bought trains for us when we were kids. You know, so they were late, early 50s, late 40s. And one of those steam engines, the, the Lionel, the really good, you know, 100% metal steam engine. Uh, that we had when we were kids. Today, they're probably worth anywhere in good shape, uh, probably anywhere from twelve to $1,500, maybe a little bit more. So it's give you an idea of how much those things have uh, increased in value. They're they're pretty uh, they're pretty pricey today. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. it's amazing, yeah. amazing. Well, anyway, Holiday Affair is the name of the movie. It's not very good, but if you're curious to see how a mystery shopper was portrayed in 1949 by Janet Lee, you might want to take a look at it. So. We'll do that. And I remember going to Gimbel's as a kid because I grew up in Philadelphia. So, and they used to have the big. Uh, train uh, setups uh, for the holidays we go down there and see these amazing uh, Lionel or model train setups down at the big department stores in downtown Philadelphia they yeah. were absolutely amazing Wanamakers and gimbals and uh, you know yeah just fat. yeah well beautiful stuff well anyway I just uh, I thought I know it's an aside but I thought I'd mention that to you that there is a movie from 1949 that involved a mystery shopper which I thought was kind of interesting Nick, so. this is your podcast you can take it anywhere you want to go as long as you can <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into some of the stories that are on Checkbook that are on uh, Consumer yeah. Man. Um, uh, you know, as we were talking about shopping, you know, oddly enough, see, I segued. This is why I won awards of all kind. You see, yep. you see me segueing? Yep. Say- yes. All this jockeys don't segue. We just like, we die. We just segue. So, <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, uh, we're talking about uh, we, we talk about this. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Christmas is done. The holidays are done. The gift giving is done. Uh, now the new year is, well, I don't like what I got. Um, this doesn't fit or that's not good. Everybody returns, you know, gifts that were given to them. There are a lot of uh, holiday returns and there are a lot of uh, policies. And you're talking about how s- some of the retailers have uh, have tweaked their uh, ho- their holiday return policies. So tell me about that. You know, there's a story right now on Checkbook about that, that basically every year they, they change things a little bit and they've tweaked it this year to be just a little bit more stingy. I mean, return policies for holiday shopping is are really good, much bigger and better than any of the return policies. But they're starting to tighten things up just a little bit, uh, having specific rules in some cases for subcategories like Apple products or electronics that are prime candidates for a return fraud. So if you're still in the process of thinking about taking something back, you might want to go to the story and you can even link to the study that was done, the survey that was done by consumerworld.org, a friend of mine, Edgar Jaworski, that lists the policies for 11 major retail chains. So in some cases, you only have until January 15th to return the stuff. In some cases, you may have till January 31st to take advantage of the return policies. So if you're sitting on something, you're not sure whether to take it back. And if it's an electronic product, you know, you may only have a 15-day return window or something. You may not have a very long time period. So mm-hmm. go there, check some of the things out. Um, there's also the other thing is they're returning. We talked about this last year when they started adding fees to return stuff by mail. Yeah. So if you could take it back to the store, uh, you know, basically for online shoppers, uh, if you can take it back to a local store uh, as opposed to shipping it back, there may be a charge. And a couple examples pointed out here in the Consumer World study, uh, Macy's added a $9.99. We can round that off to $10 return shipping fee for non-star reward members. And the return period for toys was shortened from 90 days to 30 days. So, again, that clock is ticking. Kohl's continued its policy of not paying for return shipping by mail at all. TJ Maxx and Marshalls raised their returns by mail shipping and handling fee by a buck to eleven ninety nine. And so just be aware, you know, find out if you're again, you know, Amazon, if you can uh, take it back to a Whole Foods store or affiliate locations such as Kohl's, uh, you know, they will they will charge you a buck 
for some UPS drop-offs if you could take it to uh, one of those places where they, you know, you don't have to ship it back to them. So just find out. All the websites have the rules uh, on their website, basically somewhere about returns. But if you want to go to my story, there are two links on it to Edgar's that does the 11 major retailers and another one that was done that does like 40 retailers and very quickly says, here's the policy. Here's what you need to know. It's worth checking before you go back and maybe, you know, embarrassing yourself and, you know, not having the, the, the ability to take something back. When when did they start charging for returning? Because I, I I remember when I was younger, there were no charges for returning, um, you know, for returning gifts or returning items. Oh. Um, that that's become common now. And do we know when that kind of started? Last couple of years, and it's basically because of the growth of online shopping. And these folks created their own monster, Nick. I mean, they basically created a world where you want a sweater? Sure, get nine in nine different colors. You'll take the one you like and send the eight back. And, oh, that's so wonderful. I can do this. You know, you know how people do that kind of thing. Right. Get five pairs of shoes. They, you know, they advertise this. You know, get a bunch of shoes and send all the rest. Well, that's expensive. And nowadays, in many cases, they can't even put the stuff back on the shelf. They have to liquidate it somehow or send it to third party companies that now sell this stuff at a, at a great uh, deal discount. So they're losing money on this. Uh, and uh, they've decided that they have to rein this in somehow. And the way it is, is, okay, you can still bring it back to one of our locations if we have a location. But if not, you're going to have to start paying, you know, some of the costs of uh, associated here. And, and that's how this thing came about. So it's a, to, to deal with return fraud, deal with a high cost of, of returns and to tell people, you know, without saying it ex exactly, yeah, you can buy a whole bunch of stuff, but if you can't get it back to us, you know, you're going to have to pay for it. In the old days, we just brought it back to the store. They folded it up and put it back on the shelf again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and again, I mean, that, uh, you know, that was something that they got that, that they did to themselves, kind of painted themselves into a corner, as you just said, you know. Exactly. And I think this trend will continue and we'll see more of this. You know, maybe there'll be some kind of systems where they can figure it out. But remember, with the volume of stuff that's coming back, it, it's not like the old days where they could take a sweater and fold it up. There's so much coming back that in many cases it never goes back to the retailer. It goes just right off to some third party company that's going to sell it for a loss. Great for you if you're the consumer. You can get on these websites where they're selling this stuff. You know, they sell it on eBay or wherever they do with it. Right. Uh, uh, you know, that's that's money they're going to have to make up somehow, and they're going to make it up by you paying for the shipping to return it. Yeah, interesting. And a lot of, like, uh, technology has changed things. I mean, that was partially because of technology because it's so easy to order online and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And now, as we move on, um, one of the articles that you talked about are smart toys. Mm -hmm. And everybody has bought smart toys. And, you know, and, and, and again, this is technology, but there are – a lot of things that you need to take, you know, you, you, that you need to take precautions on with smart toys. And uh, are they, you know, are, are, are the toys spying on the kids? What do you have to do? You know, this, you just mentioned one of the challenges that, that, that really uh, was a focus in 2023 and will be even a bigger focus in 2024 is AI and this technology. And that stuff is in these toys. Um, you, you wrote an article on Checkbook about smart toys. And yep. we got to hear about that because I know everybody who's listening right now at some point has or will have a smart toy in their house or just gave them to friends or whatever this season. Yeah, they're growing by leaps and bounds. They're, they're really cool. They do a whole bunch of things. But these smart toys now, and they've been for a number of years, are connected in some cases to the Internet. They can be paired with a Bluetooth device. And now we're starting to see the first toys being advertised. At least we see this 
with having AI, artificial intelligence. And all this array, uh, raised a whole bunch of alarms at the folks at the U.S. PERG, that's a big, uh, the U.S. Public Interest Research Group, a big consumer group, about things that parents need to know about what these toys are doing. Basically, if they have microphones and cameras, they can collect information on your kids. I mean, they can take pictures. They can listen to what the kids are saying. If they have some kind of artificial intelligence involved, they may ask them questions. You know, hi, what's your name? Hi, what's your birthday? Hi, what school do you go to? Whatever. And this information is going back somewhere. It could be going back to the toy manufacturer. It could be going back to the toy company that sold you the toys. It could be going to both. It could be going to third-party companies that are using this to do some kind of marketing or whatever. So it's really a concern for parents that they need to realize if you have a smart toy, and I'm going to go through before we're done, make a little checklist of just things to look at. Yeah, but the, old, yeah. the big picture is what is this toy capable of collecting? And what's it doing with it? You got to ask those two really critical questions if you either gave or your kid got a smart toy for the holidays, because it's not like, you know, just uh, the old director sets or even some more sophisticated toys that, uh, you know, allow you to hook up motors or do something or build robots. This is a whole nother level of uh, potential risk from both uh, security and, and data collection point of view. Yeah, it's 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 complicated and scary. Um, and speaking of movies of 2023, uh, yeah. I don't know if you if you've ever seen Megan, which was about the oh we the, saw it yeah that there's a there's an there's an AI doll right there that goes crazy starts killing people now obviously that's pushing it a little bit too far but there are some scary things that these smart toys and these AI powered toys can do and, and yeah, people and, need to be aware of it and we won't tell you how much we hated the movie uh, yeah. but <laughs> we did watch it because it was Brian Williams the newscaster's daughter so yeah we to absolutely yeah. Yeah. So it was the same old, same old story. But anyway, I, I just want to read you a quote from this report, 2023 Trouble in Toyland, that was done by U.S. Perg. And I think it sort of sums it up. This was their warning to parents about the increased risk of toys with AI. Here's the quote. AI-enabled toys with a camera or microphone may be able to, for example, access, assess a child's reactions using facial expressions or voice inflection. This may allow the toy to try and form a relationship with a child and gather and share information with others that could risk the child's safety or privacy. That's terrifying. kind of importance of the it's report. Terrifying. Chilling. That's kind of chilling. It is you completely. Know. Yeah. And and again, this risk of going on Wi-Fi or pairing, uh, they highlighted a toy in the report called the Amazemic Kids Karaoke Microphone. I found it being sold on uh, Amazon for, I think, $15. The toy says it uses, quote, the latest Bluetooth 5.0 technology to provide a more stable connection up to 33 feet, which is a pretty big distance. So the directions on the microphone, so that compare with something Bluetooth, you know, like a phone or something else nearby within 33 yeah. feet, it says, could pair with that. So yeah. the directions say the microphone needs a password in order to pair with other Bluetooth devices. Well, they found out that the password is a staggeringly difficult 0000, which is beyond weak. But here's the really scary part. Perg bought the toy and found that it paired in about two seconds with nearby smartphones without ever entering a password. They tried oh. it with three times on three different phones. This device paired with a phone. So somebody 
who's coming over to the house. I mean, it doesn't even have to be malicious. Somebody, a, a, a repair person, someone else, your kid's out you playing with a toy somewhere in public, and somebody could pair with that toy via their Bluetooth device. Same thing with Wi-Fi. It could be hacked. Somehow they could, you know, they could hack the toy and be listening in or watching what your kid's doing or talking to your kid through the Wi-Fi. That actually happened a couple of years ago. There was, I believe, a baby monitor that was on Wi-Fi, and these crazy people were actually talking to the kid through the speakers that they were able to hack. So anything that's connected like that has got the potential of vulnerability for something nasty to happen to your kid. And I'm not trying to scare parents, but you really do. It's a different era. You really do have to be careful about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the data collection that you guys, you actually go through that and data storage and sharing that you guys go into detail in the article as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, the kids are playing with them or not thinking about data. You, the parent, may not be thinking about data. These conversational toys, as I said, are using artificial intelligence. They might say, again, your name, your age, your school, your birthday, all kinds of things. Uh, they can hear things that are going on you might be talking about can again share this stuff with a toy maker the manufacturer a third-party company a marketing company what about your friends what about the kids friends who you know even if you even if you realize this is recording and the parent who set it up it's okay with recording what about the child or friends who come over and start playing nearby and are secretly recorded the day or their parents agree to have their kids spied on i don't think so you know it's a, it's a really huge privacy concern uh that uh, i think uh, we have to deal with we're not of course at this point in time but it, it does raise a number of issues that we need to you need to think about um you know the other thing is i we talked about the data sharing uh, we talked about the breaches we talked about the hack attacks something that started a number of years ago because we saw news stories about parents getting hit with huge bills is some smart toys have companion apps that uh, let you download other stuff the kid can download other stuff and they can make unsupervised purchases once they're, it's approved for them to use this device. So yeah. very common with tablet games. You, you, the parent, get this bill, and all of a sudden your kid has downloaded hundreds of dollars worth of, of uh, companion stuff to go along with the game they're playing. Uh, you better figure out whether there's an on and off switch or you've enabled that. That's uh, really kind of important. Um, yeah. The point that Perg made is it's really hard. It's very, very hard to read the privacy policies. I mean, they go on and on and on and on. They talk in legalese. A lot of times they won't give you a definite answer. They say may or could, you know, the, the weasel words the lawyers write to protect the companies as opposed to you, the parent. Um, but, you know, you really do have to take a little bit of time to understand the technology that's there. With this story, if you connect to the PERG report, they actually have a checklist of all the devices, and I can't go into it now, but all the devices and all, it's a really simple checklist for parents. Like, does your toy have, does that toy have a microphone? Then you need to check this, 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 and this. Does the toy have a camera? Then you need to check this, 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 and this. Is the toy connected to the Wi-Fi? Then you need to check this, 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 and this. So you can't say it's too difficult because they made it really easy for you. So if you just go to look for my story on either checkbook.org or consumerman.com, are your kids' toys spying on them? You have a link to that report from U.S. Perg, and in that report is a checklist. It's a really handy, a great thing they did for parents to look at and figure out what they're doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, the whole um, I've I've always been leery about any of that stuff. Like, I don't, I didn't, I, I've never had any of those kind of devices in my house. I don't have any of the, uh, you know, the Surrey or the Alexa or any of that stuff. And and, and when I was when I heard stories, and this was years ago when I was still at, uh, working at GM at the car wash there, and I was. Um, reading a story about um, <clears throat> how suddenly people are hearing like Surrey or Alexa laugh 
in the middle of the night. Like they're in the, they've got one of those things in the kitchen. All of a sudden you hear it go, <laughs> I don't need that in my house. I don't want to, you know, I don't. So like even that kind of thing, which is absurd and weird, I, you know, and then, but all of the possibilities for, and, and again, what the most scary thing is maybe, you know, the AI might be a little bit uh, creepy and whatever, but the point is that there are people who can hack into that stuff. And, and you've done and you've done many, many stories about people hacking into the cameras on these things. And, uh, you know, they're, the, the bad guys will find a way to infiltrate. They will always do that. Yeah. And the databases, this stuff is collected on databases that could actually be hacked. And there have been some cases of that going on that all your children's personal information is in that database that could be hacked by somebody. I mean, it is just creepy. I'm not saying you, these toys aren't fun. I'm not saying you can't have them. I'm yeah. just saying a little bit of parental oversight and thinking about the risks and doing what you can possibly do to mitigate them is worth the, the little bit of time that it would take you, the Absolutely. Parents, you know, Absolutely. to do that kind of thing. Absolutely. Consumerman.com, checkbook.org for all your information about uh, keeping the smart toys safe. So you know what I love to do, by the way, when, I, when I'm on a radio or podcast or something, I like to say, hey, Google. And then yeah. all the devices go off in every home. Yeah. It's like, it's just, no, I oh, used to do that. I used to do that at night. I used to do that at night all the time. When I was on the radio, I would do that at night yeah. all the time. I would scream yeah. about, I would say Alexa and I would say this and people would call up and go, stop it. You know, <laughs> And remember uh, those things, you know, I know you're creeped out by them, and I, I understand, you know, they're listening all the time. They're listening for the wake word. So even yeah. though it's not doing anything, it is listening all yeah. the time. And, to you know, anytime something is listening, it does have a little bit of creepy factor. Well, my girlfriend has the um, uh, the, the, the Google thing in her in her Google place yeah, okay. and, and to play music and all that stuff. And, she, and when she says it, my phone goes off. Like my phone immediately, you know, so it's like, oh. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, not only is the device going to play some music or whatever, but it's also my phone is going to start searching for a song. And I'm like, no, I don't want you to know, but it, <laughs> it, 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 it kicks off my phone immediately every time she says it. So oh, that's so funny. Yeah. It's crazy. And speaking of digital stuff, look at this, how I'm segueing again. So I've been, man. Take number three by Mr. That's right. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, um, what happens if we recycle digital devices? You know, you got your laptops, you got your phones, you got your tablets and all that stuff. Um, uh, you know, when you get when you got the old one, you want to get rid of it, but you don't want to throw it out or anything like that. How are they recycled? What do you do with the outdated dated digital devices? And you guys talk about that here and uh, sure. at, uh, at Checkbook. No matter how you're going to get rid of it, whether you're going to donate it to you know a place like Goodwill, whether you're going to put it in the recycle bin, or whether you're going to uh, just to, you know get rid of it completely or give it to somebody else or whatever, you got to make sure that you wipe the device of the data that it's collected while you've used the device. And there are specifics for every appliance and different thing, but basically you want to get this thing follow the manufacturer's instructions to get back to the factory reset that basically puts it to where you got the device before you did everything. But if you have a PC, it's also a good idea to run a utility program. They have a lot of these uh, disk wipe and D-band are two of the be better known ones. They're free and they destroy whatever data is left on the drive. So they just overwrite it with a bunch of gibberish zeros and whatever ones over and over and over, and over mm -hmm. again. And anything that might be left on the disk can be wiped. Um, if you have a, a, a smartphone, besides putting it back to the factory setting, if you're not going to use a SIM card again, take the SIM card out of it and destroy it because that's got a lot of information on it. A lot of people don't realize that smart TVs uh, may have stored your subscription. Oh, yeah. Word or your credit card yeah. or, you know, your Netflix or your Amazon or Disney or whatever. So uh, you have to follow the manufacturer's recommendations, go to that manufacturer and find out what needs to be done to purge that of anything that somebody else uh, might get. 
there, there are a lot of different ways to do this. If you go to my article about wiping the data, I just put it up on my website. It's, it's up on Checkbook. Uh, it was a little lower down, but you can find it right on my website, consumerman.com. We have links to Android and to the Apple operating system and different devices. And it's you just click this, it'll take you right there so you don't have to search around that tells you how to do everything. One final tip, and if you're paranoid like Nick is, and I am, and you really have a lot of sensitive data on your computer and you want to be really careful, just remove the hard drive. I t before I, I, my stuff is so old when I usually get rid of it, nobody's going to reuse it. It's going to go and recycle. So I just go in there. I open the case. I take the damn hard drive out and it's really rewarding. You take a sledgehammer and smash it or you take <laughs> a drill and put holes through it or yeah. you do both of those and you drop it in a bucket of salt water for a week. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're frustrated, you don't have to go to one of those rooms, whatever they're called, where you break things and whatever one of those, you know, thing. you know what I'm talking about? Those rooms. Yeah, you, the rage rooms, they call them oh, rage yeah. rooms. Yeah. Well, you, my friends, save the money. Take the hard drive out of your old device, <laughs> get a sledgehammer, get a hatchet, get a drill, get a bucket of water. You, It will take care of you for three months down the road. You will get all the anger mm. and rage out. I actually did a video once of doing that. It was so much fun. So that's uh, that's what you can do uh, in in that situation. No, that's great. I you know uh, you know you mentioned uh, and the article mentions as well smart TVs. We kind of like forget. Yeah. You know I mean they are smart TVs. There's a reason why the word smart is in before TV. But yep. we just think ah oh, it's a TV because we've had you know we've had TVs in our houses for decades and decades and they're always like ah eh, they're not threatening it to TV but now. Yep. You got to remember that all this technology is not all connected. It's connected to all of your devices. It's connected to your phone or your laptop or your tablet or whatever. And they're all connected, all of it, including your TV now. So, yeah, a lot of people think TV can be like an innocuous thing that you don't have to worry about. But, in fact, you do. Yeah. And, 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 and again, if you were to give that away, let's say, you know, it's a really good TV, you donate it to Goodwill, Salvation Army, something like that, and somebody got the TV, yeah. they might not even be malicious. They may just, you know, be able to start using your account or your credit card information before you figure it out and shut it down. But there are malicious people that actually do go around and gather this stuff. I mean, look at your computers. They know that you're, you're doing your taxes on there. You may have accounting yeah. spreadsheets, contacts, the whole routine. Yep. You know, yep. years and years and years ago, before anybody realized this was a problem, I went to one of these... Uh, you know, I, I went to Goodwill and bought a couple of computers and just literally turned them on and all the stuff popped up. I didn't use any, you know, some kind of really forensic CSI kind of software. I just basically turned them on and looked at the files and I knocked on somebody's door and said, are you are you Mr. or Mrs. Jones? Yes. Hi, I'm her boy's mom from the local TV station. Uh, so uh, you have two kids and you work at this place. And oh, man. I had, I, it's like, what? I said, yeah, you left your tax returns on this computer and never purged it. And if I were a criminal, I'd be having a field day if I were an identity thief. Isn't so that amazing? Got to stop and think about that. Seriously. Man. Yeah. So think about that and in your TV. And even even if you don't, if it's electronic or smart in any way, you got to mm -hmm. get rid of all the stuff. You have to. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, now we're going to a little preview here of, of a story that you're going to be covering next week as we get into the new year. It is the second day of 2024. So we have to think about what we're going to do. 2023 is done. Can't do anything about that, but we can do some financial planning for 2024 and make sure that things go well. And uh, next week's story, you guys are given tips on how to plan for your financial uh, financial future and mm -hmm. uh, specifically for the year of 2024. Uh, tell us a little bit about that story and what other tips to, to do your financial planning. Sure. We're going to have three tune-up tips. 
for the family finances. And this applies to you whether you're single or, or married with children. You need to look at where you are. Beginning of the year is a great time to do that and make any adjustments that are needed. So the first way, as you know, Nick, to find out where you are is to do a budget and figure out where you are if you don't have a budget. Right. doesn't have to be complicated. doesn't have to be a spreadsheet. Just take a look at maybe your credit card receipts, uh, what you do in a month or month or two, two or three months, look at your check register or something like that. See where the money's going. You don't have to count for every pack of gum you bought, but look at the major things. Maybe your insurance and your rent or your mortgage, your utility bills, how much you spend for groceries, what do you spend for streaming services, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, will be very surprised, and I know you'll agree with this, when you look at where the money's going, like, I don't, I didn't realize I signed up for six streaming services during right. the pandemic. I don't right. even watch those anymore. Yeah. Well, you may still be paying for them because a lot of people still are, yeah. and you need to suspend them, discontinue them, whatever. Uh, and so see how much is coming in, how much is going out, and if more is going out than is coming in, you need to figure out a way to cut the expenses somehow, whether it's reducing streaming services, maybe downgrading your cable service a little bit. Whatever it is, you need to figure out some ways of doing some things to get the thing more into balance. And hopefully that you have a little bit of money left over so you can put into a, a rainy day account, which is tip number two. Uh, you've got to set up that rainy day fund. It's The figures vary, but... A lot. I bet less than 25, 30% of the people in this country have a rainy day account that they could handle a surprise charge of $500. You know, the car breaks down, the hot sure. water heater goes unexpectedly. Yeah. There's a medical thing and it's not covered by insurance. Your kid, you know, you got taken to, uh, um, you know, the uh, medical place, the ER or somewhere ER, like that. Yep. Yep. Urgent care medicine. It's not covered by insurance. Whatever it is, they can't deal with that. And it means either putting on a credit card and getting themselves into debt or deeper in debt or taking out a payday loan or doing something you know like that that's really not financially sound. So you've got to have that rainy day fund because you never know when it's going to rain. And in life, as you know, Nick, someday it's going to rain. Yeah. No question about that. No question um, about it. My other tip is uh, that with that rainy day fund, or for those who already have a rainy day fund or are listening saying, Herb, I have a rainy day fund. Great for you. If it's a, a significant amount of money, I mean, some people, you know, uh, if they lost their job or they were fired right away, you know, they would need more than $500. They may need a couple of thousand. You know, you should probably have a couple of months worth of, of money saved up that you could keep going if for some reason your job was, was terminated. Uh, so maybe you have a rainy day fund with several thousand dollars in it. Don't let it sit in a bank or credit union basic savings account that is making like bubkiss in interest every month take it and deposit it in an online high yield savings account some of these accounts are paying 4.5 4.75% right now and uh, you know you can make some serious interest on your money uh, it's it's like you know it's, it's while it's online you can you have access to your money 24/7 if you need it, you could move it to your uh, regular checking account right away. Uh, mm. But if it's just sitting there in case it does rain and you're not needing it for a while, let it make some money for you right now. Well, you know, we're all complaining about how high interest rates are. One of the great things is that interest rates are high, which means it's good for people who are saving money. Right. Actually, some of these institutions are actually giving you a return on your money right now. The other thing is for those who have a fair amount of money, I was just looking the other day. CD rates are really amazing. I mean, you can get some CD rates now for 5, 5.25%. I can't remember the last time I saw a return on a CD, something like that. Uh, maybe you want to park your money, you know, as, as the Fed later in the year, we may not be done with interest rates going up a little bit on, on the right. bank. Again, but 
as the Fed starts to lower things, hopefully as expected in 2024, the rates of return on on the things you have in the in the savings is going to go down. Well, right. maybe now is the time. I'm not a financial advisor, but now may be the right time for you to take some of that money and to lock it up and get a good interest rate. You know, maybe you want a six month or a nine month or a one year or an 18 month or maybe a few of each. So you have what's called a CD ladder. So something keeps coming due almost all the time right. uh, that. I, they're not going to stay this high forever. They're going to come down sooner or later. Right, if, right. if you have the money, you want to do something different. That may be a way to, to mix your portfolio a little bit and lock in on something. Uh, and yeah, and, and, and obviously, you know, like other things that you should do for, you know, like try to get your, your credit card balances down. Obviously yep. that's, that a, that's, an, yep. That was not, I mean, credit card rates are his, at historic highs. Yeah. 24% is the average 24%. Jeez. Isn't that crazy? And if you took out a retail credit card, it could easily be 30, 31, 32% wow. like that. Wow. Well, just think about that. For every $100 that you pay to pay off that bill for the whatever you bought, the big screen TV you bought, 24 of those $100 goes just to pay the interest. It's crazy. And if you make a minimum payment and have the average credit card debt in this country, which is like $6,000, and you just made the minimum payment, it could take you 17, 18, 19 years to pay off that debt. I mean, that's you've got to now start, you've got to pay down this debt because it's just, it's ruining everything else in your life. It's taking away money that you yeah. use for living. Um, yeah. You just, you know, and if, and if you can't pay it off right away, all the financial experts I've uh, talked to suggest possibly getting a 0% interest credit card. You can get them for some as much as 21 months. Basically, you move the money over, and there's a 3 to 5% fee for doing that. The balance you move over, but the clock stops ticking on interest for however long the term of that of that card is, whether it's mm. a year, you know, 12, uh, 12 months, 18 months, 21 months. Right. And the goal is to not use the card anymore. Don't put any more debt. You know, you don't want to keep building up debt. Right. Use that as, and you don't want to kick the can down the road. Use that as a way to get yourself back you know, on, on track again. And just, so if it's 18 months and you have $5,000, ask your Google to do the math for you and Google divide, <laughs> divide $5,000 by right, 18 right. you make off that payment. So by the end you're done. Right. Because at the end of that period, it's going to go back up to the, whatever the, the rate is, you know, the 24% or something right. like that. That right. is a way to get yourself back on track again. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 you know it gets more complicated with everything that we talk about, uh, you know, in terms of uh, technology and all that other stuff. And then there are people out there who are going to try to take all your money too. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, and again, if you're in, if you're really you know you find out after the holidays you're in really really serious trouble, then do the smart thing and contact and set up an appointment with a a nonprofit credit counselor. This is somebody who'd be working for you. Don't fall for the ads on the radio and whatever. Hey, well, then you're dead. Da, 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 da. Go to a nonprofit credit counselor. Somebody who's working for you. If you go to an organization, we've talked about this many times, nfcc.org. That's the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. They can help you find a credit counselor near you or somebody who can talk to you over the telephone. They will look at your budget and help you set a budget to see where you are. In most cases, the initial consultation is free. If they set up a repayment program for you, it's based on how much you can afford. In a lot of cases, it's 10 or $15 a month. They can work with creditors, unlike these other companies you hear on the radio, oh, well, yeah. the credit card interest rates down. No, the credit card companies figured this out. They don't work with them. They work with these nonprofits and they can dramatically reduce your interest. As I've told you before, I have talked personally to people with $60,000, $80,000 in credit card debt 
And at the end of the four-year program, they were completely debt-free and getting ready to make a down payment on a house. Yeah. It really does work, and that's what you need to do, see a nonprofit credit counselor. Okay. All right. And, uh, and uh, here's to a, a bright financial future for 2024. Uh, anything else that, uh, that Herb is working on that we can see in checkbook.org? And also, uh, what is the offer that you, the, the, the lovely thing that you are offering to my listeners as well? Yes. Well, let's start with the lovely thing I'm offering your listeners. Uh, your listeners can get a, a free 30 day fry of uh, a three. Okay, Herb, you can do that. Yeah. You can get a, it's been a big new year. Uh, yeah. You can get a, a 30-day free trial subscription to our website and uh, just go to checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. Of course, if you live in Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, or Washington, D.C., you can get ratings for, as I said, everything from electricians and plumbers to orthodontists and doctors and uh, kennels and, and you name it, uh, thousands and thousands of different services we rate, and it's all for free. We have no obligation. We'd love you to join and be a member, but you don't have to. Checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. Reminds me, by the way, Nick, uh, I don't know if you ever heard this one, but how they teach you to enunciate really well when you're in broadcasting school. <laughs> yeah. They put a whole bunch of marbles in your mouth, and every time you talk clearly, they take a marble out, and by the time you've lost all your marbles, you're ready to go on the radio. Oh, wait a minute now. There it is. Hold on a minute. Wait, hold on. There it is. That's better with a rim shot. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what, what, what can we look forward to uh, in uh, sure. the coming uh, days at uh, consumer at consumerman.com and at well, the, uh, the podcasts that are coming up on Consumerpedia, we're going to do one on everything you need to know about joining a gym, uh, something a lot of people do at the beginning of the year, yep. wind up getting themselves in uh, some kind of uh, contract that they had no idea they were signing. Yep. So we're looking at that. Uh, we're going to be the story on uh, how to look at your finances will be published. We're going to look at a new rule called the cars rule that came out during the holidays from the Federal Trade Commission that uh, actually prohibits car dealers from doing a whole bunch of things that they shouldn't be doing because mm. they're deceptive. I can just give you a tease. I just started working on this. One thing I heard from the Federal Trade Commission, because these rules, they said, were based on complaints from people, like real complaints. Yeah. And said, we're finding a situation where when people look at their paperwork after they leave the dealership, they bought an electric car and they were charged for oil changes. Uh, oh. That's an electric car that doesn't need an oil change. Oh. I said, yes, we're really seeing that with some dealers. So we're going to be looking at that. And uh, then we're also going to be, this is the one I'm going to talk to you about. The, the working title is, What in the World Ever Happened to Customer Service? Okay. And the answer is, it went away a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we will definitely cover that uh, on the next time uh, that so. you're with us. Uh, and everybody can check out The Consumer Man, uh, consumerman.com, checkbook.org. Herb, always a pleasure. Uh, happy 2024, and uh, we'll talk to you in February. Thanks, Nick. Have the, uh, all the best to you in the new year, and we'll see you in February. Okay, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. Herb Weissbaum, everybody, helping you out on For the People. For the People continues, helping you out in the car world with one of my favorite guests ever. Coming up right here, Tom Appel. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about car stuff. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive with Tom. And his last name, Appel. Oh. It's the czar of car, the sulfate of cylinder, Tom Appel. That's right. Tom Appel joins us monthly. The first Tuesday of each month is exclusively a For the People episode, and that's for you. You're the people, and it's for you. 
Herb Weisbaum uh, joins us to talk about your consumer issues. And, of course, the great Tom Appel joins us to talk about cars. He is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, and let's welcome Tom to uh, the program. Hi, Tom. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. Now, that noise you hear behind me, I am about, uh, I don't know, nine feet or eight feet away from uh, an old school Chicago apartment radiator. And it decided to go <laughs> on just as we, so you will hear clanking and hissing and all any kind of weird hissing or clanky noises that you hear in the background on my end. That's because uh, the heat is on. And so there it is. I am I am three feet from a radiator, and ah. it makes it makes no noise most of the time. But in mm-hmm. the middle of the night, it likes to do that, like Betty hitting Barney over the head with a frying pan. Noise. <laughs> I get that every once in a while too. I do, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's in full clicky clangy that kind of stuff. So, in uh-huh. the background, in the background for everybody who's listening, in the background, if you hear like weird little hissing or clanging noises, it's because I live in an old apartment that has an old radiator and it does the job. That's the thing. There it is. You can kind of hear it. Wow. That's it. <laughs> That's my radiator doing its job in late December, or I should say actually, sorry. <laughs> sorry, early January because technically it is January 2nd, 2024. So, happy new year, Tom. Happy new year. How has your uh, your holiday season been for you? The Christmases and all that stuff. How's that? Relatively good. I'm just going to complain out loud about something. My wife yeah. and I were were uh, employed to pick up my brother-in-law from the city of Chicago. We live in Palatine, uh, and drive to Milwaukee with him because he doesn't have a car. He didn't show up. We don't know where he was. So what? Just, yeah, just complaining out loud. Well, wait. Well, have you? Is he a missing person? I'm a little concerned. What? I, I don't know. I don't know. This is my frustration. I was driving an electric car, so I needed to plot my course very carefully. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. We did make it. Everything was fine. But, okay. Uh, boy, that yeah. you know, that brings up a question and a, and, a, and a complication that people might not know about driving. Uh, how do you, do you really have to, you know, if you've got a long time that you're going to be in the vehicle, do you really do have to pre-plan to map out places where you can charge, all that kind of stuff? How does that work when you're driving an electric car? Yeah, you still do. You still do. And hopefully in a year, uh, there was the NEVI, the, the new electric uh, vehicle in, uh, infrastructure act that was passed. And Right. Yeah, and Biden signed that into law. Five billion bucks for, for chargers. Those are starting to be installed right now. So that's a lot of chargers, and they're supposed to be installed first along the interstate. So hopefully everything gets better very soon. Yeah, uh, this is very active and happening very quickly. But no, we did have to. We have to decide in advance when we go to Milwaukee where we're going to charge uh, on the way up there, and and n- we don't necessarily have to, but we should because we're cutting it close. Now, now, our, do, do, I mean, obviously. Uh, there is easy access via the internet or via your phone uh, on locations and maps where you can find charging stations throughout, you know, the world, correct? Yeah, I have two apps. I have Electrify America and EVGo. Those are two of the primary charging systems. Plus the vehicle I was driving, the Cadillac Lyric, in its navigation system has a system that will help you locate charging stations as well. So all of that is cool. The problem is that the infrastructure is is a little sparse, especially in, in Milwaukee, in Chicago, or up in Wisconsin. And these these charging stations themselves not reliable, and I've run into a lot of trouble with that in the last few weeks, which is a shame because I could find charging stations, I couldn't find working charging stations. Oh, now that that's not good. I mean, once you get no. there, you, you you figure, okay, now I'll be able to charge, and then it doesn't work. Who's responsible for for maintaining these 
Unfortunately, and this is a, a real axe I had to grind with the federal government, is these are independent for-profit companies. Oh. And, and they got into this business smelling money, and they're not making the money they thought. So what's suffering is the infrastructure itself. These I aren't reliable. Lots of software issues. Very frustrating. Wow. And what are some of the issues besides, I mean, uh, you know, the software? I mean, what, what are some of the software issues that you've come across, you know, for people who are going to be driving these electric vehicles soon, you know? Yeah, you would think I'd be blessed. I literally live about 500 feet from a level three fast charging station at a Walgreens on the corner by my house. And mm -hmm. that would be, that's great, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I drive electric cars, but it almost never works. And the last four times I've tried to use it, three times it didn't work at all. The fourth time, I'm on the phone with the operator who's blaming my credit card, she's blaming the system, she's blaming the car, or not blaming the system. They're not taking any blame at all. Finally, yeah. like fourth attempt, the thing does boot up and charge, but I was on the phone for half an hour trying to get that to work. So, and no one knows what the exact problems are. They're internal issues or software issues. Uh, and, and there's no real good explanation. And then you'll get an email later apologizing for the, sure. for the trouble, telling you that they don't know what the problem is yet, and they don't know when they're going to fix it. Oh, my God. <laughs> thanks, for, well, thanks for the email. This is all, though, I mean, you know, uh, and, and this is not an excuse for bad service or, or things that are under-maintained, but it is a relatively new world that we're dealing with, you know. Um, but this could, like, these kind of things could turn people off from doing EV. You know what I mean? That, I mean, it, that's what makes me angriest, Nick, is that there are people who might be converting to EV who won't do it now because of this. And, and ultimately, if you believe that electric cars are going to make the world a little bit cleaner, and I actually believe that, yeah. we're, we're pushing that back, and that's unfortunate. That's really too bad. That really yeah. is too bad. But everything turned out okay, now, except for yep. your missing, your missing brother-in-law? Is that is yeah. That <laughs> yeah. So, words out there. Since his boss hasn't called us yet, we assume he's fine. Okay, so the, you, you haven't put out an APB or anything like that? Not yet. Uh, no, okay. Not yet. No, no, okay. <laughs> but in terms of, like, charging the vehicle, getting the Milwaukee and back, it's, it, was, it was a little bit tense, but it turned out okay and everything was fine. Yeah, somewhere on the south side of Milwaukee, we ended up at a, uh, a Walmart parking lot, and they, they had a, um, an Electrify America 8-bay station. So that worked. However... They, they advertise hyper-fast charging, which is 350 kilowatts, if you like the jargon. We didn't get anywhere near that, so we ended up sitting there. We should have only been there 20 minutes. We were there closer to an hour, so that was disappointing. Yeah. But we did get a full charge and move on. When you, when you go to certain places, because I, when, when I was still working at the car wash and I was riding in with my producer, uh, Tom, uh, the underground parking lot, because the, the, the car wash is located at 303 uh, Wacker, uh, there are underground parking lots and building parking lots you can come in. And there are levels that are dedicated almost entirely. They have huge sections where they have parking spots that are for electric vehicles. And yeah. I'm, assuming, I'm, I'm assuming that those are rented out to specific vehicles with specific uh, license numbers. Um, in that in that in that place, right? That would be that would be what's happening there. Yeah, and a lot of those are level two home chargers, which are slower, and those are super reliable. Okay. So those those aren't a problem. If you can plug your car in overnight, you're gold. Yeah, to, to, to an old school level two charger. I wanted to make one other point, and I forgot to make this. Yeah, the, if, if we're worried about the charging infrastructure, the good news is that Tesla has its own network, and it's incredibly reliable and it works well. So that's the goal. We know oh. it can be done. Oh, it can be. Okay, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we could yeah. feel good that it can be done, and that Tesla is opening up its charging network to other car makes. Oh, that's I great too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this, that may be expensive, but it's going to not leave you stranded. And they've I got, got a you. really great network, and it works well. So it I can be done. To say this, yeah, 
God bless Tesla. I yeah, I know it's. Hard. I know it. I know. Of course you do. I think a lot of people would be hesitant to say anything involving Elon Musk <laughs> at this point. Uh, is God bless the guy? But but no, that's good. I mean, you know, uh, it, it can work um, yep. as long as the people who are seriously are thinking only about the profit get their asses in gear and start to make it work because it can work. That's exactly the problem. Yeah, people yeah. got in that weren't really into in this for the right reason. Right, gotcha. All right. Well, before we jump into uh, what you've been driving lately and getting into some of yeah. the news stories, and we definitely want to talk about the 2024 Consumer Guide Best Buys. Definitely have to talk about that. Uh, tell everybody about Consumer Guide Automotive. How long it's been around? How people can read it and see it? And of course, your fantastic podcast. Yeah, Consumer Guide. Thank you, Nick. Consumer yeah. Guide Automotive been around since 1967. I'm only the third publisher ever, so we, a lot of stability there. We've been around for a long time, and philosophically, we believe in doing a very serious job of reviewing cars. If you go to consumerguide.com, you can read our latest reviews. You can read fun stuff that I've created there, and our podcast, which drops every very early every Tuesday morning. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. We have great guests, and we've been getting really good guests. Recently, we got uh, head of marketing from Cadillac on to talk about the electrification of that brand. And we just had Sam Fiorani, who's an industry analyst, on to talk about 2023 in a review. So a lot of good stuff. We have fun. Uh, it's about an hour long, and about half of it is goofing around. So it's not strictly hardcore car stuff. Yeah. No, it's great. And I, lo I love listening to it. And I don't even own a car. And you know that. I haven't driven legally in, uh, in a bunch of years. <laughs> I always like to say that legally I haven't driven in a bunch of years. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I love listening to the podcast and I love Consumer Guide Automotive. Thank you. And I've been a guest. I've been lucky enough to be a guest on the podcast and had a blast, uh, you know, just talking about car movie, movie cars and all kinds of cool stuff. So That was a popular episode, by the way. Oh, okay. I'm I, I'm happy that it was. Yeah. But yeah, and I got to get back on there at some point. We got to figure out a time uh, to get me back on the uh, on the podcast. We and, will uh, make that work. Let's do that. And so, uh, do do, uh, do you have like? I mean, you like doing the uh, the blog, right? The or the uh, the you know the the daily the daily drive, the daily drive thing that you you love uh -huh. doing that, right? Going into going having fun and looking back at stuff. Yeah, I do. I wish I had more time for that right now. We transitioned to ownership recently, and I've been really busy. But I will soon get back into doing more of that because that yeah. is fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to read, too. You, get, you, have, you guys have a great time with that. So uh, very cool. All right, well, I always ask you, uh, you test drive everything, and uh, I always get to that. But I do have a question from a listener, from a, oh. a, from, uh, from a uh, subscriber. And again, if you guys have questions for any of uh, my guests on any episodes, because I have a lot of great regular guests who are here to answer your questions and help you out, particularly on For the People. If you have a car question that you want to leave uh, as a voicemail, 773-417-6948, or you can just drop an email with a car question for Tom. Uh, he'll be happy to answer them. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. And that's what Joe did. Joe is one of our listeners, and we thank you for listening, Joe, and subscribing and all that stuff. The next time you have Tom the car guy on, can you ask him if the portable car battery chargers that fit in a glove box work? And if he has recon on one, uh, so there you go. That's Joe about the portable car batteries that fit in your glove compartment. Um, not reliably, I don't okay. think. Uh, okay. <laughs> they're, they're a little bit small, unfortunately. You can buy a really good portable charger from a brand name like Black & Decker, and it's a little bit too big to fit into your, uh, your glove box, but you can throw it in the trunk. But it'll hold enough charge generally to help you get a car started one or two times. Okay. Well, there you go, Joe. All right. All right, cool. Now, tell us what you've been driving lately. I always ask you, and, uh, what are you driving right now, and what were you driving before that? That's usually the, that's usually the way we go. So what are you driving now? 
Right now, super excited about the vehicle I'm driving because I've been trying to drive it because it's crazy looking. It's the Hyundai Ioniq 6. So this is Hyundai's second uh, mainstream 50-state electric vehicle. And I say 50-state because they build another electric car they don't sell everywhere. Uh, <laughs> but the Ioniq 6 is a sedan, which is exciting because no one sells sedans anymore, about the size of a Honda Accord, extremely aerodynamic. Uh, if you see one on the road, you'll know it. But I, was, I, was, I love the look. And I really wanted to drive this thing a minute now. And I, I, I did more than just go for iced tea yesterday. Okay. Because so <laughs> normally for people who might or, might be new, whenever we ask Tom, he's pretty early in on the on the time that he's driving the car. And he usually has only gone to McDonald's, got an iced tea, and come back. <laughs> but you've done a little more than that with this Hyundai. Yeah, I've got like 20 miles on it now. What wow. a great car. Yeah. The only My only complaint is that the door openings are a little bit small, and, which is an interesting thing you'll see with some EVs simply because you've got this huge heavy battery under the car. So for structural reasons, keeping things smaller and tighter works a little better. So door open is a little small and I'm a big guy, so that's a hassle. But wow, what a nice car, nice stereo, nice interior, really wow. modern looking. And that's I love fun. the exterior design. It kind of looks like someone grafted, I don't know, like a Volkswagen Beetle to a Porsche 928. It's, it's oh, a, wow. And they, and they make it look cohesive. If people don't know what I'm talking about, uh, if you're too lazy to go to my website, just look up, Ionic Six. You want to see a picture? Ionic Six, the yeah. Ionic Six. But there is a there. You do have pictures available at the Consumer Guide at uh, consumerguide.com. Yeah, I have a launch review that someone else wrote for me. I believe it was Jill Simonillo, my co-host. Your co-host. Okay. Uh, so lot, she took some great pictures of it. Okay. So you want to see a cool looking car? Now you know you interesting interesting thing that you brought up uh, during your review of this. Um, why no sedans? Why, why, why is that happening? You mentioned sedans. Sedans were at one time like a hugely popular style of car, right? Um, what's going on? You said that nobody is really doing sedans anymore, and it's exciting that when they do, like, you know, what, what, why is that happening? Has you, have, you, have you figured out a, that trend or why it's not happening? Yeah, a couple of things happened. And, and early on, one of the things that happened was that people started to believe in all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive, and then crossovers happened. And, and crossovers present better in terms of value to most consumers they're higher off the ground so you and the, the roof is so much higher that you you automatically have more space or more perceived space really big luggage area they're easier to get in and out of because they're upright and, and consumers have just preferred crossovers and it's funny how even the look of a crossover can help sell a car the the uh, subaru crosstrek is really just a subaru impreza with some body cladding and more aggressive looking tires, but the Crosstrek outsells the Impreza five to one, even though they are mechanically identical. Wow. Uh, yeah, consumers just love crossovers. It's perceived value. This is happening in Europe too, but not as much. They still sell a yeah. lot of hatchbacks and sedans over there, but not yeah. as much. The sedan is very much going away. Wow, that's crazy, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, sedans to me were always really cool. I, I've always enjoyed. I've always enjoyed that kind of car. Yeah, it's funny, too, about perceived value and convenience. If you go back to the Rockford Files era, you know, yeah. in the 70s, yeah. people bought big coupes, right? The Chevy yeah. Monte Carlo, which was just a two-door, was one of the best-selling cars in America. And then wow. the Caprice and Impala, which were big sedans, took over. But, man, once crossovers hit, and we can blame the Ford Explorer, the 1991 oh, okay. Ford Explorer, okay. that was that was the explosion. That was it. And everyone's like, wow, these things are awesome. Yeah. And then it was all over. I love the fact that we always go back to the Rock. Rockford Files gets mentioned every single time we talk, I think. It should. I, yeah, I agree. I totally agree with yeah. you. All right. And uh, before <laughs> before the cool-looking Hyundai uh, that you are driving now, what were you driving right before that? And tell me what that was all about. 
I'm really excited about this. Cadillac gave me this vehicle, not because of the consumer guide, but because of the podcast. Apparently, I'm considered an influencer, which is the funniest wow. thing in the world to me. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm a and, and, they, and they said that you would never amount to anything, Tom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I told my parents this yet. <laughs> okay. So you are now a successful influencer. Holy yeah. cow. I am, I am a 60-year-old overweight guy with a bum <laughs> knee who watches Gunsmoke, and I am an, I am an influencer. That's the best description of an influencer I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Oh, okay. So they, they, so you've been driving. Well, you mentioned that this is the one that you were driving when you had to go to Milwaukee to pick up your missing brother-in-law. Yes, and this yeah. is Cadillac's first all-electric vehicle. It's first right. offering. They've been right. very slow to get this to market. Cadillac, uh, part of General Motors, has had a hard time getting its new Altium batteries. That's their brand name for their uh, proprietary battery technology. They've had a very hard time getting these built. So the the launch of the Lyric has been slow, but it's a dramatic-looking car. Uh, very style forward kind of thing and, and it, it looks cool it presents well on the street and the good news is it drives well too it's very roomy it's very quick it's very energy efficient um, which is nice the the range is supposed to be about 308 miles I think it's much much more than that okay uh, we did we did really well driving to Milwaukee but really impressive looking car and here's the interesting part about this car too it's sixty eight thousand dollars which is a lot of money for a car but for a premium electric vehicle uh, it's kind of a bargain. I mentioned that Hyundai Ioniq Six I was driving. That's priced at fifty-eight thousand. Mm. So for just ten grand more, you're actually getting a larger, uh, better finished vehicle and a Cadillac. Well. And a Cadillac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a big step up. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so a good vehicle then, uh, and it was reliable. And despite the fact that your brother is now miss, your brother-in-law is now missing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If he ever shows up, I guess I can show the car to him. <laughs> Oh, that makes me laugh. Uh, that's fantastic. Okay. Um, all right. Do, now, how how um, soon do they let you know what you're going to be driving next? So you're in that cool-looking Hyundai now. Do you know what's on the docket for the next car that you will be driving? When do you find out? Do they sometimes surprise you? God, we were going to give you this car. We we're giving you this car instead or vice versa. Anything like that ever happen? Yes, I get surprised a lot. Uh, do you? Yeah, but I usually know four or five, six weeks out. And it's the car delivery to journalists in the Chicagoland area is handled by two distributors. Almost all the manufacturers work through them, so I yeah. just call them up. And I'm not too picky about stuff. I just, over the course of the year, I kind of need to get into everything, but I don't worry about order a lot. Yeah. So generally, I'm just told what I'm going to get, and that mm. works pretty well. Um, this Cadillac came off the grid, so that was I had to pick oh. that up at a dealership. Okay. All right, but uh, but a cool car nonetheless. You, the last couple of cars, very cool that you've been driving. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you three, know, I, three electric vehicles in a row. Welcome wow. to, the new, to the new era. Boy, you, know. you are really testing out the system. <laughs> I am. Yeah, man, oh, man. That's why I'm so mad. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why your brother-in-law is missing, but that's a whole other story. Yep. Um, uh <laughs> So uh, I, I will ask you this. I think we've asked, we've talked about this before because, uh, you know, one of the times, the last couple of, I think it might have been the last time of the time before, we talked about what happens if you get into an accident because you got into an accident uh, in, a, in a car that you're driving, uh, that, you're, that you're test driving while you're out there. And we've talked about that and everything. But, like, here's another thing. We've had a pretty, you know, knock wood here. We've had a pretty mild uh, winter thus far. Yeah. Or, or uh, you know, it's just winter just started, you know, like last week, technically. But we've had a pretty mild time right now, and it looks as though, like, you know, the forecast for the next couple of weeks, we might get a little snow here and a little snow there, and it's not been terribly cold. Um, your criteria upon reviewing cars must change 
uh, or must have something to do with the weather, like how you drive it in terrible weather or hot weather or anything like that. How does that influence or affect the review that you're doing uh, of the car itself weather-wise? Yeah, there's a couple of tricks there. One of the interesting things that happens, too, is in the winter, especially if you get some sort of European high-end sporty machine, is you'll see that the manufacturer may put other wheels and tires on the vehicle. And yeah. They won't, they won't necessarily tell you that. So you'd have to kind of walk around the car and check uh, this stuff because there, yeah. there are tires that are vastly better in the winter. But yeah. on the other hand, they might affect ride quality too, although they're a little bit louder. So you do have to allow for that. And, and then winter performance is a thing too. And I put a heavy weight on that because I'm up here in Chicago and I have a, a colleague in St. Louis who's like oh. anti, he's anti all-wheel drive. He says oh. it just adds oh. weight. And it's oh, funny man. that just a, just a few hundred miles will change perspective on I that. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing about all-wheel drive is, even if you don't need it, it it's good for your resale value. So it's, you're not really wasting any money getting all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, interesting. I always, I always know that that's a factor when you're reviewing a vehicle. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, fascinating stuff. Okay. Well, listen, the 2025 Jeep Recon, you're talking about that. What's That's new. It's an all-electric companion for the popular, popular wa- uh, uh, Wrangler, as you mentioned here. Yeah, so if people think Jeep, they think Wrangler, and, and Wrangler is the thing that dates back to the CJ5, the CJ7, and, and back to World War II, if you want to take it that far. That's that's the lineage of the Wrangler, and that's really the Jeep brand. And they have done an electrified version of the Wrangler called the 4xe, or 4XE, um, which provides a certain amount of electric range before the battery kicks in, and it just becomes, or the gas engine kicks in, and it becomes a hybrid. So right. there's some electrification there. The Recon which looks an awful lot like the Wrangler and is meant and intended to be just as off-road capable, will be pure electric. And that is coming out soon. Jeep debuted this at the LA Auto Show. And this is a pretty big deal because this is going to be a test for for Americans' taste for, for EVs. Wrangler buyers typically will spend a lot of money on their vehicle, a lot of money on accessories, and will pay a lot for something that they want. But will they buy an electric vehicle? And, and one of the interesting things on this vehicle, if you look at it, like a Jeep Wrangler, all four doors will come off, which is pretty cool. Wow. But there isn't really a convertible version of this. And part of the reason is that the battery is very heavy, and you can't cut that structure open. You need that, that structure to support the vehicle. So some limitations to it being electric, but it might be very good off-road. Jeep is very good at that. So we'll see. But it's coming this year. Uh, very interested to see how this does. It's, yeah. I think it's a big deal, and it's it's really uh, kind of a bellwether for what happens. Well, it's a pretty cool looking car. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Uh, the design is pretty badass. I mean, it does look like uh, something you'll see in like a like a Resident Evil movie or something. Like <laughs> it does. It looks like a pretty badass vehicle. Do people like the way it looks? Do you like the way it looks? Or I like the way it looks a lot. I think it looks like a Jeep, and I think it looks yeah. like it, its mission is to do serious off road stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. The two, the 2025 Jeep Recon. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the uh, auto show. Chicago Auto Show is in February, correct? Isn't it usually coming up soon? Yeah. And and some seems like there's going to be a lot of auto manufacturers returning to that show. So that's that's good news. And uh, we'll get a full report on that next month. Uh, yep. Yeah. Very very cool. Looking forward to that. And it'll be at McCormick Place as usual, or as usual. Yep. And and uh, same time frame. So it does cover Valentine's Day. That's always sort of how yeah. you know it's in the same place. Yeah. No. That's how I always. That's how I always remembered it. I remembered it was always right around Valentine's Day because we would go all the time, and, it, and that would be part of the, you know, there would be part of the decorations. There'd be hearts everywhere uh, when you'd walk through uh, McCormick Place as well. Uh- 
Also, if you if you don't care about football, this year's auto show also covers the Super Bowl, which which means that place will be empty. You can go there and like, oh. get into everything. February so, February eleventh, if I'm not mistaken, right? Is, is that it? Okay, yeah. I think it so, is. Yeah. If you don't care about football and you want to go to the auto show, go Super Sunday. Ah, there you go. So people who don't care about football, you no lines, no craziness. You will avoid all the crazy crowds. Be a car person, not a football person on that day. There you go. Yep. All right. All right. That's just coming up in a few weeks. All right, um, Hyundai and Amazon. What's the deal? That's the uh, that's the headline I'm looking at right now, and I am I'm, I'm curious and I want to know what's the deal. That's a good question, and <laughs> no one has a great answer. But Hyundai uh, made an announcement at the LA Auto Show that they were partnering with Amazon, mm. and that you can now order your vehicle. You can now buy your vehicle on Amazon.com. Oh my God! Nothing, nothing is that easy. Uh, and if yeah. you have Prime, you're not going to get free delivery. But <laughs> <laughs> you mean so, it's not going to show up in a smiley box like a a, no. a, a a maniac driving a big truck is not going to barrel up and just drop the car off outside your house? That's not going to happen. No, but I guess no. they'd be very hard to steal from your porch too. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, so ordering a, a Hyundai from Amazon not quite as simplistic as we think it is. But what's going on here? No, no. So this could be the start of something very big, but it's probably not. And the reason it's probably not is franchise law, which prevents Hyundai from selling direct to consumers. You must okay. work with a dealer. You Got must you. go through a dealer. That's just the way things work, which means that they may not be able to actually even set a price on Amazon. So I'm not entirely sure what, what? you can do. What? Yeah. Because well, you, that's you just can, weird. I mean, yeah. But, Auto manufacturers cannot compel their dealers to sell at any particular price. They can give you a suggested retail price. Oh, and right. They can provide incentives and all these things. But ultimately, uh, franchise law prevents the manufacturer from actually telling the dealer what to sell. So this, this is going to open up with an experiment of like 18 to 20 dealers who will probably cooperate and make this work initially and will allow will go with the price that, that Hyundai sets. But I don't think this is going to work as it spreads to be a larger thing. It might, but we'll see. This might be a lot of nothing. Wow. Oh, and it, and uh, and it, were they making it, was it a big deal at the at the LA Auto Show? Did they make like a big, was it a big thing and then like a big trumpet being played and then suddenly it's not that, uh, it, well, maybe this won't turn out to be something big? Yeah, well, no, they, I mean, they, they're certainly they're certainly making a big deal out of it. Hyundai wants you to know this is huge. You can go to Amazon. You can order their cars and whatever. But So that's all cool, but it, you're still going to have to go to a dealer. You're still going to have to sign paperwork. You're still going to have to pick it up at a dealer, and the dealer can still mess around with the price. But Hyundai thinks this is great. So <laughs> if, if Now, we do remember, weirdly, that Saturn was a one-price car thing, and Saturn did have its dealers agree to pricing constraints for a long, long time. So maybe Hyundai can make this happen. I don't know. Mm, okay. That'll be fascinating to see what's going on. Well, what else came out of the, uh, besides, uh, the, you know, a couple of stories here. You got the 2025 Jeep Recon and now the uh, Amazon deal with Hyundai uh, and that weirdness. What else came out of the, uh, of the, LA, uh, of the LA show and, and how was it? For, you talked to people who went and what was it? What was, it was it successful? Was it good? It was, it was surprisingly light show this year. Um, Traditionally, the LA Auto Show is all about green cars and electric cars and stuff like that. And there was stuff like that, but there weren't any big announcements. Um, usually looking for some big news from one of the EV makers. and didn't really see that there. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, and, and, and again, we're looking forward to uh, right around the second week or yep. so in, uh, in February at McCormick Place. And again, if you want to avoid all the crowds and you're not a big football fan, 
go to the auto show on Super Bowl Sunday. You'll have free reign. So that'll be cool. Now, some of the other stuff that you like to go into um, on the, uh, you know, uh, on the Daily Drive is uh, it's fun stuff. Like, like for instance, I'm looking at this, the 1937 Ford. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this. I'm looking at this ad. It's cool as hell. I love these old ads. I know you do, too. Well, first yeah. of all, tell everybody about um, the old ads that you like to focus on and that you guys have, like, a ton of stuff and a ton of, like, catalogs and magazines from years and years past where you can look through them and uh, and take a look at some of these crazy ads. And you've been doing that for a while now. I have, and advertising has changed so much. And this is one of those ads where there's all sorts of text, a thing that no consumer would put up with in 2023 or 2024. Yeah. But, but the ads were so different. And this one's almost 100 years old, which is an interesting to think about. But fantastic hand-drawn art on this. And the car is absolutely beautiful. And, yeah. and what I love about these ads is you can get a sense for how much language has changed and how much consumers have changed. You would think that by 1937, Ford would have a really good handle on its consumers. So this is what they wanted to see. And and this ad is spectacular. And the reason I love this particular ad is because at the time, Ford was selling what it called the V8 Ford. You could get a very affordable V8 in its cars. And there were two versions. One was called the 60 and one was called the 85, which turned out to be the horsepower outputs of those engines. And if you look at this ad, it's so wonderfully contrived. This is such a great ad. There's a guy's car peeking from, from behind the house. Yeah. That's a V8 Ford. His is a 60. And this guy has just pulled up in a beautiful coupe, great-looking car. Turns out that that's the doctor. His wife is pregnant, possibly delivering, and he's having a conversation with the doctor about how glad he is he has the 85. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> there's so much here to love first of all ford's doctors probably didn't drive ford second this doctor is making a house call possibly deliver a baby it's yeah. snowing out it's hard to imagine the car having been driven fast in the snow in those days anyway i yeah. just love the idea of this doctor his hands clenched to the wheel driving as fast as possible to his v8 ford <laughs> to go deliver a baby it's so awesome yeah and then taking the time to have a little conversation about his car yeah, a little car chat. Into, yeah, let's have a little weird. There's always time. Don't worry about the baby. <laughs> the baby's not going to come out till I get in there to deliver it. So let's have a little car chat uh, about. Now, was there, was there, do you think there's envy on the part of the guy who's not the doctor because he pulled up in this guy? You know, is that part of the ad too? It's like, oh, I'm envious of the 85. I only got the 60. He might be. There's this great floating quote there that says, well, doc, my Ford 60 gives me everything I need. But with the stork so close, I'm glad you've got the 85. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic, man. This is from 1937? Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, man. But I'll tell you, the drawing is great. The car is beautiful. Now, are there pictures, are there real pictures of this car uh, elsewhere in the world that you can take a look at? Because I'm looking at this, and it's just the... the, is yeah, that's gap? that's the that's the nineteen thirty seven Ford Coupe. That's Coupe. really okay. one of the most affordable versions. And yeah, there's lots and lots and lots of pictures. Very collectible vehicle. Also, they made literally hundreds of thousands of these, so they're out there. You know, you could these are cars you could find in museums and stuff. Yeah, yeah. they're very cool looking cars. I mean, and they have that very. You look at it. You look at it, a nineteen thirty seven car, and it kind of looks like, you know, uh, the car that you would picture in your mind. Oh, when someone says 37 Ford and you think of a black and white movie, that's the kind this, you look at this car and you go, yep, that's exactly the kind of car that I would think would, it, it, that this picture would be. And a really interesting design element to this car that, that people don't think about, but the windshield is not yet curved. It's actually in two pieces. Oh. 
And that's the thing that was about to change. Post-war, you wouldn't see that anymore. Now, what about the running board on the side? That was a that was a very popular thing um, in cars. Is that that looks like it's on here in this car? Yeah, that that's an actual running board, uh, yeah. and I believe that was part of the deluxe package when you moved from a Ford to a Ford Deluxe, which was almost a separate line of products. It was sold by Ford, but it was a seriously up trim level. I think that's when the running board kicked in, but it does a lot for the design because the fender flows into yeah. that and then to the rear fender. It's a good clean look. And if you're a, and if you're a mobster, you can hang on the side and sit yeah. on the running board and shoot and shoot your machine gun if you need to. That's uh, that's how. Someone once told me they had an opportunity to fire a Tommy gun. Uh, it was a coworker of mine, and he like paid money to fire a Tommy gun. And and those are the ones with the big round thing Yeah, 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 yeah. And he told me there was no way, no way that anyone could fire a Tommy gun with one hand. Like no. the whole hanging on and fire. <laughs> yeah. The whole hanging the on the heads. side. Yeah. Yeah, the whole hanging on the side, standing on the running board. That's not going to happen. No, you need no. two heads. And they're probably to be belted down and held down by other people. <laughs> like it was it was apparently a very obnoxious and not very accurate thing. Yeah, okay. Shockingly that it's misrepresented in the <laughs> Shockingly. So, all right. Well, that's cool. You want to check out all of this stuff again, consumerguide.com uh, and check out the daily drive uh, also. All right. Well, um, you guys have been working on this for a long time. It's been unveiled the 2024 consumer guide best buys. First of all, explain what that is uh, in general, how long you've been doing this and uh, what are we looking at for this year? Yeah, every year since 1970, Consumer Guide makes a list of all the vehicles uh, that we think are the ones that people should purchase. And we do this by class. And there are 17 classes this year. Uh, and, and just to make sense of that, it's like crossover, mid, or mid-size crossover, premium mid-size crossover, large SUV, premium large SUV, like that. And, and we think that those are the segments that people most likely are shopping in when they look for a vehicle. So you are comparing a Civic to a Corolla, maybe to a Hyundai Elantra. So yeah. it should be easy for you to shop. So we picked the best vehicles in every one of those classes. Uh, we've been doing this since 1970, back when there were classes like sedan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, that the sedan comes up yet again in the conversation. Yes, <laughs> and actually, this year we no longer have a non-premium sedan category because there are no such vehicles. Wow. Uh, yeah, they just disappeared from the U.S. But the Best Buy list went live a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, a lot of work here, but if you are looking for a new car or truck, just go to consumerguide.com and hit Best Buys, and this is just a great starting place for your shopping. Okay. And what are some of the ones that stand out for you? It says here that Nissan, Toyota lead popular brands with four awards each. And then Acura topped the premium list for four best buys. Uh, give me a little rundown on some of the best ones uh, that people can take a look at that, uh, that really led the, that led the awards this year. A vehicle that I wanted to drive for a very long time and we've known about for almost three years is the Nissan Aria, which is Nissan's first um, mainstream electric vehicle. Nissan had been selling the Leaf, which was a weird little hatchback that didn't have a lot of range. But the Aria is an electric vehicle. It's very good looking. It's about the size of Nissan's extremely popular Rogue. And the good news is that it feels like the Rogue because the Rogue is an outstanding family vehicle. If you wanted a compact crossover, the Rogue's a great way to go. The Aria feels like that vehicle. It's a little bit more stylish, but other than that, it, it doesn't ask you anything in being electric. There isn't a lot of giga electronics to look at. Um, it, it doesn't feel weird. It, it's just it's just a very nice modern vehicle. We're very excited about it. And we're, we're trying not to worry about the hesitancy about public charging and just 
rate the vehicle on its own qualities. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and and this particular vehicle really stands out. Okay, great. Anything else? Uh, another interesting vehicle on this list, I think. Uh, I always feel a little guilty for this. It's so good. We have the Cadillac Escalade out here again. Yeah, the Cadillac and, Escalade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's so much wrong with that vehicle, right? It's big. It's thirsty. It costs 120 grand. It also does exactly what it's supposed to do in that category. If you needed a vehicle and you occasionally tow horses, which I assume rich people do, if you tow a horse trailer <laughs> and you need to put six people in a vehicle, this vehicle does that. It is incredibly nice. It, it, it is refined. It rides well. The stereo is outstanding. Everything you want from a luxury vehicle is there. There are no compromises for going with a big truck, and Cadillac's to be applauded for that engineering. Again, if you buy one of these to commute yourself, you're kind of a fool, but if you need a vehicle like this, this one's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, by, by the way, uh, who is on the panel for this voting? How many people vote? And, uh, and, and, and how does that work out? Yeah, it's a series of freelancers that are working with me now. It used to be our entire staff. And, and basically, I'm looking for input on what are, what are generally obvious choices. It's funny how the, the pool of vehicles that, that are considered sort of come together rather easily. And then we have to narrow that down. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Nissan, Toyota, Acura... Um, has, is this consistent? Do they usually top the awards and do they usually do the best buys? Are they n- usually up near the best buy stuff every year? Is it a consistent uh, look at brands? It is. And, and, and Honda and Toyota tend to do very well all the time. And then latecomers to the list that have done well in recent years are Hyundai and Kia. Uh, it's amazing how good those vehicles are, and they've been doing great things with design. Yeah. And still, to a little bit, not as much as used to, but Hyundai and Kia still maybe a little bit cheaper. So they represent really good value. Yeah. Uh, is there an, is there a personal favorite of yours on this list? Just like, is there one that you can, that you just love, that you love a lot or a couple that you really, really love personally? There is an electric Genesis product called the GV60. It's a subcompact electric crossover. It's very small and it is, it is, it's just a little kick-ass whipper. It, it's so much fun to drive and yet it's beautifully finished. It's le- totally legitimately lux- uh, luxury and yet because of the EV system, it's just so fast. It's, it's yeah. a delightful little car. Uh, I love that car so much. It's not practical for a lot of people because the back seat isn't very useful. But if you're looking for a personal transport that's electric and luxurious and not too too expensive, it's, yeah. it's expensive. That's a great way to go. Cool. I'm looking at there in the in, at the compact car section. Uh, boy, the Honda Civic doesn't look like a Honda Civic anymore. It looks like a. It's such a badass looking car. Like the design is. Like, I look at that, and I'm like, oh, that's a Honda Civic? Really? It's kind of crazy. And and to your point, it doesn't look that small either because Civics have gotten large. And that's that's the same size as an Accord from maybe 10, 15 years ago. Really? It is? Yeah. Yeah, but what a what a great car! Very refined, uh, kind of sporty feeling. Really nice interior. It's it's absolutely everything someone might want from a car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the premium contact uh, compact car. Uh, you've got the Acura Integra, which is also a pretty cool looking vehicle. Uh, and again, you know, the names of the, we've talked about this a million times, yeah. the names of cars. I love Integra. That's just a fantastic <laughs> name. Integra is a name that, that Acura dug up from the past. I actually yeah. owned an Integra in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, it was a fantastic car. This car is, and it's no secret, really very much a gussied up Civic, but gussied up in the best possible way. Yeah. So, so more power and, and new body work and stuff. But the Civic based is good news because that makes it, a, it, it automatically makes it a good car. Now, the Lexus ES, uh, you, how much are you going to drop on that? 
a Lexus ES. That's a, that looks. That's got to be a lot of money, right? Uh, not as much as you would think. It's sort oh, really? of really. Yeah, it's the Lexus bread and butter car. It is a largish, mid-size sedan uh, that is extremely refined. This is based on the bones of the Camry or the Avalon. The Avalon's been discontinued. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, we talked about this yeah. in the past. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's based on that car. What the, what the Lexus ES has going for it really is extreme refinement. Very quiet, very roomy, very nice interior, and, and you can get that to sixty in a hurry, sixty mm. grand. Oh wow! Okay, and I'm looking at the Ford Mustang, the 2024 Ford Mustang. I've always been it's always been one of my favorite cars of all time. I love Mustangs, and this car looks cool. I I, I you know I gotta say, even though that the the, the it, visually it's changed over the years and things like that. I've always, even though it doesn't look like the same kind of car it used to, I don't know what it is, but I've always loved Mustangs. It's always, they've always been one of my favorite, maybe my favorite kind of car. Just that is, is, I've always thought the Ford Mustang was pretty badass. Yeah, and, and the Mustang's origins were really wonderfully humble. The first Mustangs were based on the Ford Falcon. There was nothing special about them at all, yeah. uh, except they were two doors and they were kind of sporty looking and they started shoving V8s under the hood. But the new Mustang was redesigned, sort of. It's not a complete redesign, no matter what Ford tells you for 2024. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it now rides alone. The Dodge Challenger has been discontinued and the Chevy Camaro has been discontinued. So what we used to call the pony car, which they were actually named for the Mustang, the pony right. cars, right, these, right. These, these small coupes, uh, that that era is coming to an end. Now, Mustang will probably stick around for a while and return as an electric vehicle, and we will probably see the um, the Dodge Challenger return too. But the Camaro is gone for now. Wow. And it, there's not a lot left here, I think, for modern shoppers. Kids don't care that much about cars, and they don't aspire to Mustangs. Yeah. So the future of them is probably modest in terms of sales. Yeah, that's too bad. Well, you know, things change. They do. It's they hard do. to believe that there aren't Camaros not around anymore. I never would have never would have thought I'd live to see the day when Camaros weren't like wanted by guys everywhere. It's it, it's weird too. There was a, a category now sexist that we used to call secretaries cars, and and they were <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, that was actually an industry term. For I'm a not while. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> but a secretary's car was was typically a Camaro or a Firebird or maybe even a Dodge Challenger that was sort of mainstream. So not a lot of power and the emphasis right. was more perhaps on luxury and convenience, but you still had the sporty look. And that was a huge segment. And and to keep I mean those that volume, the secretary's car volume kept these cars alive for a long time. Yeah. There was just a lot of a lot of women like didn't care about cars, like, you know what I want? I want a Camaro. And they had a Camaro. For yeah. people who were not really into ridiculous V8s under the hood. Yeah. God, history is amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> All right, so the Best Buys, everybody check them out. All of these articles that we're talking about uh, are available. All you got to do is go to consumerguide.com, check out Daily Drive blog and all that cool stuff, and, uh, and of course, the, uh, the podcast. All right, uh, Star Spotter, hashtag yeah. Star Spotter, hashtag Star Spotter. This is something that Tom does on his socials on Facebook. He will watch usually old television, usually old westerns, uh-huh. Um, and uh, and you will spot stars from those westerns. Take a screenshot of it to the chagrin of your wife, and then <laughs> post it saying, "Hey, look who was on Bonanza, or look who was on this show." And you call it Star Spotter. Um, yep. So let's hear about some of the uh, the star spotters that you uh, that you that you spot. Now they now I'm looking at this list. Not all of them are westerns this time. No, no, I, I, I've been working a lot of hours and just sort of collapsing into my chair at, at weird hours. And then right. something's on, and I'm like, i got to keep watching. Yeah. 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 
So I the other night I was watching Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which is gold. Gold. And, and, Always gold. Yeah, yeah. Dean Stockwell, a very young Dean Stockwell shows up on it. And, yeah. Yeah, he uh, he's a little dim for a bright guy. Uh, yeah, he didn't really seem to understand that the owner of the uh, the hotel he was staying at didn't mean well. <laughs> Took a lot. He was a little he was a little stiff in the brain department then. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Dean Stockwell. Yeah. Yeah. Good episode. He's reading through the guest book and he's like, all these names seem familiar, and it, it didn't hit him that they had all been murdered and disappeared. But. Uh, <laughs> All right, so Dean Stockwell, you know, he started out as a young actor. He was very, very young when he started, uh, and then would go on to do so much, so many things. And uh, I guess most yeah. people probably remember him uh, television-wise from Quantum Leap. That's the big uh, thing that most people remember him from. And I remember he him was from in, everything, yeah. yeah. He was in Paris, Texas, was he not? Yes, he's absolutely fantastic in Paris, Texas. And he's in a bunch of, he's in a bunch of David Lynch movies, um, including, yeah. including Dune. Dune yeah. and uh, and Blue Velvet. He's spectacular in Blue Velvet. So yeah, that's right, cool. Blue Velvet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He sings the Candy Colored Clan. They call the Sandman. He sings that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he lip syncs uh, that song. I close uh, my eyes. The Roy Orbison. That's Dean Stockwell singing into a into a into a into a, a an auto mechanic light that you hang uh, underneath the. <laughs> So oh, there you go. I need to forget that scene again, though. No, oh, man. man, it's terrifying. It's fantastic. That's Dean Stockwell. Full makeup, weird makeup. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, all right. Uh, next, Gunsmoke. Uh, we, we, we got the fall guy, so we're talking Lee Majors. Yeah, Lee Majors, who not yet cool, really. He just, play, <laughs> he just plays some jerky rancher's kid, comes into yeah. town to stir up trouble. He dies very early in the episode. Oh, that's too bad. So he's not yeah. bionic. He's not bionic at all. In not, not in any way. He gets <laughs> shot pretty early. And, and he's wearing kind of a goofy-looking hat. I'm like, you're yeah. Lee Majors. You yeah. should be cool. Yeah. You're Heath Barkley, sir. That's you right, be- man. That's yeah. right. Yeah, so I saw the photo. It's fantastic. And by the way, the screenshots that you take are always very entertaining. So make sure everybody follows hashtag Starspotter. And then uh, you didn't even put his, the actor's name, which I love. I love when you do that. <laughs> uh, this is on Quincy. So not an old Western, but in fact, you know, a more, a, a, a old still, but more modern. Uh, you got Quincy and Mr. B- <laughs> Mr. Bookman. <laughs> Was on Quincy. The, I wrote down Mr. What is his name? It is uh, John Woodman, John Woodhouse, or John. So, yeah, that guy. Yeah, whom whom I was only aware of later in his career. I, I don't I don't remember his early career, and I don't remember seeing him stuff. But there he was on Quincy, playing the fire marshal, uh, <laughs> and very very stoically. Not a lot of fun there. My but, dad, uh, my dad was watching one of the channels because he's in the hospital, and one of the channels is Grit. Are you familiar with Grit? Yeah, I don't get Grit. Oh, okay. Well, they do in the hospital. I don't get it either, but it's all Westerns. I knew you would love it. It's all old Westerns. Yeah. And my dad was watching The Texan the other day. I'm unfamiliar. The Texan. It's Rory Calhoun is the star of it. Wow. And William Demarest, Uncle Charlie, the grumpy bastard from My my Three Sons, was on it. You would have been taking pictures like a son of a bitch during this episode, man. <laughs> I, was in the, I was in the hospital room with my dad for 15 minutes, and I'm like, boy, Tom's phone would be going crazy right now. Taking it. Here's William Demarest, and he's wearing a cowboy hat, and he's a little bit younger, but he's still going, blah, blah, blah. He's still, like, grumpy. He's still grumpy Uncle Charlie. <laughs> so that was, on the, that's on, that was on The Texan with Rory Calhoun. The Texan. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen uh, Tales from Wells Fargo. Oh, that's another one. Yeah, Tales from Wells Fargo yeah. is on grid all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know I what not... I think about that yet. 
Now, Gunsmoke. Now, this right here, we're talking two people that are unbelievable in the same episode. This is incredible, same right? Yeah, and it's a killer episode. Long story short, uh, five five uh, killers, five gunmen descend on uh, Dodge at the same time to take out the marshal, Marshal Dillon, of course. Yeah, and and the compli- there's a really complicated backstory to why all five of them are there, and they didn't know that the other ones were going to be there. But the real head, the real head comes to uh, is between Warren Oates and Bruce Dern. Oh God, that's amazing. Gunslingers with history, and, and Bruce Dern is kind of one of the creepiest humans I've ever seen on a, on a TV screen. I, oh yeah, he, he's just always getting under people's skin. Yeah, and, he's and, always a weasel. He's always like a creepy weasel, you know, yeah. in a lot of those things. Yeah, and he he kind of owns Warren Oates. Like Warren oh, Oates just can't deal with it. It's it's really excellent. <laughs> man, no, that's amazing. Warren Warren Oates, one of my favorites. Man, he wanted Warren Oates in a cowboy hat too. That's a that's incredible. So yeah, there, very very there's cool. some brilliant scenes in this where Festus is trying to get Warren yep. Oates drunk to figure out why he's there. <laughs> and so the two of them are getting really drunk and then Bruce Stern keeps showing up to antagonize Warren oh, Oates. So like, man. oh, this is good. That's fantastic. So good. That's fantastic. I, I can't see it being really hard to get Warren Oates drunk. I, that would just be... <laughs> That would just be a thing. All right. And then finally you do Mystery Show. Hashtag Mystery Show, which you also share on your socials. And that's when you take a publicity still and you put it up. You don't tell what the, what the show is. You show what it is. And then it's up to people to guess what this show is. Now, the one that you put up, I have to say, I got right away. Okay. I got it right away. And that's because of Russian comedian Yakov Shmirnov. <laughs> um, and that's his, his catchphrase was, what a country. That was his catchphrase. And so you put up the still. Now, who else was in this? Who else was in this still with Yakov? And his show was What a Country. That was your mystery show. And it only aired 26 episodes in 86 and 87. That sounds about right. Oh, I did not recognize the names of anyone else in that show. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't jot them down, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I did note, however, that Yakov is still appearing in Branson in the Make America Laugh Again uh, (laughs) show. That's... Actually, what it's called. Yep. Well, that's it. That was his thing. It was like, uh, you know, everything was about, we have to wait in line for everything. You know, like all the jokes were about, you know, like not having power, waiting in line. They were like, in my country, I don't have shoes. We wear, a, we wear stockings, you know, whatever. It was always yeah. like how much better America was than Russia. That was the thing. And in the 80s, that was like, you know, timely comedy, you know, because of the Cold War and everything. Yeah, so, we were wrapping up the Cold War. Everything yeah. was tense. Reagan yeah. was in office. We were That's worried right. about Russia again. That's right. Now we didn't have to worry anymore because Yakov Shmirnov was there making us all laugh. So I there. remember one of his lines was, my mama did wear combat boots. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Oh, so Yakov. What a country. He's the best. All right. Well, keep watching those uh, those old shows. Do the Star Spotter. Do the Mystery Show. And also all the vehicle stuff and the car stuff. Always great. Thank you for answering the uh, listener's question. We appreciate that. Yeah, Happy the, New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. And the next time we talk, we'll talk uh, a, a pretty good amount about the uh, uh, Chicago Auto Show. Yeah, sounds right, good. Cool. Consumerguide.com, consumerguide.automotive. Uh, thank you, Tom. You're the best. I'll talk to you next month. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, buddy. Take care. Tom Appel, he's the best. All right. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, my dad will not be dropping by to tell a joke. He's uh, still, uh, uh, you know, recovering from uh, some uh, some health issues, uh, and hopefully everything will be okay. And again, if you want to donate a little dough, you can. Uh, just look up my name, Nick DeGilio. It's uh, there's a GoFundMe page out there to help my folks out. It's been a rough time, but my dad will be back at some point in 2024 to knock on that back door, 
bother this person. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. And tell a great joke, but he's not going to do that today. So uh, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank my boys, Herb Weissbaum and Tom Appel, for another compelling and awesome and question-answering and thorough For the People episode. We'll do it again next month. Next time we talk, uh, the year in movies. The best movies of 2023. Eric Childress, T. Procopi, and myself, we will bust out the best movies of 2023. So make sure you tune in for that. And if you want to be a sponsor, you can advertise on the Nick D podcast sales at radiomisfits.com. Let's get you going. And if you want to be a part of the podcast, leave a voicemail message 24 seven, 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 three, four, one, seven, six, nine, four, eight. Drop us an email, Nick D podcast at gmail.com. I read them all. And some of them I read on the uh, podcast and I listen to all the, all the uh, messages and everything. Please communicate with us. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sound. Ed Silla does everything else. Take the time to uh, share, rate, review us on every platform. And we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast, Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks. Thanks.